Hello, hello, podcast family. What is up? In today's episode, we are bringing you Seth Carswell, founder of Vessel Goods Leather Company. Seth designs and creates fine leather pieces and refines them to offer something finished that meets rigorous standards of quality, craftsmanship, and durability. Each item is created by hand in nearby Lake City, Florida. Seth is passionate about leather goods and hopes that he can have the privilege to craft something that will be part of your living legacy. In today's episode, We talk about a grandfather's baseball mitt and how it left a legacy and story behind to impact Seth's business. The challenges of being a one-man show. How do you scale when you are a one-man show? What's the first hire look like? The importance of storytelling and content creation in business and the deep desires of making a side hustle a full-time business. Enjoy the show. You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Whoa. You almost caught me off guard uh, with that one. Yeah, I was, dude, warm up. Let's get ready. All right. I am your host, Colin Austin, and my co host is Michael Dees. What going on, is man? up, dude? Can man? you believe it's almost December? I know, man. It's right around <laughs> the corner, dude. It's crazy. It's wild. What, what, a, what a year. I know. I'm like so ready for it to be over. Right. What, what are you looking forward to most about? 2021. 2021 yeah just 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 the that fact that we like survived 2020 right. isn't that good I enough think that's pretty true for everybody yeah man i think so. everybody's just ready for Co- this year put, to be gone put COVID in the rear view put the election in the rear view put yeah, everything man. put everything in the rear view let's let's just keep moving forward that's right uh well happy thanksgiving everybody yeah you know just want to wish everybody a wonderful thanksgiving as you know now the holidays uh are right here and uh it's such a good time i mean i love i love the holidays you know it's a little weird in florida because it's like always super hot uh, <laughs> or it's warm hopefully hopefully it'll be cold people are looking forward to social distancing from their family <laughs> yeah there you go so anyway you guys we are excited to get into today's show but before we do i absolutely have to thank our incredible sponsors you guys if your business has ever bought land uh sold property or negotiated a lease you know why it's important to have someone who is in your corner who knows the market and delivers results that's why you see so many colliers international gainesville signs uh the GNV Advisors, man, over at Colliers International. Um, they have the most experienced commercial real estate team in the market, along with access to a global network of industry experts. With one call, you'll know why so many businesses trust them. Um, go visit them at colliers.com slash Gainesville to get more information. Dan Drodos and team, thank you so much for your support. Uh, you guys have been a big sponsor and a big supporter of our shows this year, and we are just super, super grateful for you guys, and uh, thanks for making it all happen. Um, and, and real quick, I wanted to give some love to the business report too, man. They've been yeah. writing some awesome articles in the business report. Um, just really sharing the stories, uh, you know, of our guests and, and just, you know, putting it in written form, getting it out there and then link it back to the episode. It's like really, really cool. And so we just really appreciate the business report for your partnership, uh, in this. It's a, uh, it's, man, it's so much fun. Like all, this, all this community coming yeah. together for, for great cause to really show off these businesses. It's awesome. So man, you ready? Let's do it. I see, I see a baseball mitt, so I'm already I, excited. 
<laughs> He's already excited. You guys, today on the show, we have Seth Carswell, founder and craftsman of Vessel Goods Leather Company, a company that handcrafts heirloom quality leather goods that capture a man's story through age and patina to share with future generations. What's up, man? Yeah. Hey, How are you doing? I'm good. Welcome so, welcome to our other home. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> uh, we're excited, excited to, to have you, man. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we absolutely uh, love to do, start with, is, uh, man, we just want to hear your story. I want to hear your story. I want to hear how you got into all this. Yeah, and, man. Uh, it, it, one, you know, explain to everybody what it is you sure. do and then kind of dive back into like how you got into it. Yeah, sure. So uh, Vessel Goods is a, kind of a handcrafted uh, leather goods company. So we make uh, goods predominantly for men. Um, and, and what that does is that ties back to uh, kind of our core mission, which I can go into as the story evolves. Um, so, so we make, we make leather goods and we make quality leather goods and goods that are, uh, really designed to last. Um, so, uh, I guess the story starts really, uh, with my grandfather. Um, so he's, uh, he's no longer with us, but, uh, regardless, <laughs> he, uh, what he did leave behind was, um, a few items that really sparked and inspired the journey into leather craft. Um, he was in his early 20s. He was a pre- professional baseball player. Uh, actually played down in Leesburg for the Leesburg Braves, uh, which is a part of the Milwaukee Brave system. Um, grew up in Green Coast Springs, so all really tied to this North Florida area. Um, and throughout his career, um, he, he predominantly used this mitt that I, that I brought today to kind of show off. Um, and I have photos and stuff with him, but, but the really cool part about, um, his whole story was really wasn't discovered until after, um, after he passed away. And, and that was really when we found these up in the attic. Um, so the story kind of culminates with, um, this item now becoming a method for me to remember him with something that he touched, he felt, he used, um, and left his mark all over. And, and now it's something that I can hold and use and touch and, and experience, um, really what he used and poured into every day. So, um, so his legacy, really, his story, which he spent all of this time crafting um, through the development of his craft, which was baseball, um, he took he took that and then left it behind for something that I could enjoy. Um, and so I, when I craft leather goods, that's the main that's the really main story that I want to get across is that um, this item is built in such a way, crafted in such a way that it's going to last a long time, that it's going to leave, uh, that it's going to carry your mark. It's going to carry the scuffs and bumps and bruises that you've kind of used it regularly with. Um, and then that's going to be the thing that, you know, your kid and your grandkids can look at and say, man, that was like, that was dad's bag or that was dad's, uh, dop kit that, you know, he carried with him for 40 years. Um, look at the character that's on this thing, and and you remember you you know you remember him daily with that. 
Um, so that's the cool part. And so a prime example of that is, is this glove. So my grandfather was actually notorious about fixing things with, uh, coat hangers and duct tape or a shoelace. And, uh, this glove is actually stitched back together with a boot lace. So <laughs> I, I, you can't not think about him, you know, every time you pick this up. And so that's what I, I really love, uh, using, you know, my craft to be able to bring that to somebody else you know, do a leather good. Yeah. When yeah. did he give that to you? Um, well, technically he didn't. Okay. It, it, it was in the attic. And so I, I swiped so it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually two. So, there, so there's this one. And then, uh, as an adult, he played, um, fast pitch softball. And so he was a, he was a Southball. He's a lefty. So all first baseman's mitts. Um, and, uh, so, so the other one is kind of a newer aged, uh, version of a, a first baseman's mitt. Okay. So, so yeah. tell me like when the desire to come, to create these type of things come into play. I mean, so I, I guess a part of the story that I left out was I went to, I went to college, uh, for industrial design. So I have a bachelor of fine arts in industrial design. And, um, I really all through, all through schooling, um, I really had a problem with, uh, man, we, we were designing these products with a mindset that we're just going to chuck these things in a year. Like they're going to be in the dump in a year. And so what, like really what's the, what's the purpose of this thing? Um, and so that began like the journey of, all right, let's start seeking out materials that, that'll last longer than, you know, five, 10 years. Um, and so, you know, leather leather is like the perfect example of something that that only kind of gains character and gets better the longer it's around. If you take care of it, right, it'll, it'll last it'll last forever. So, um, so it I guess the journey into leather goods kind of came out of a frustration with product design and development. Um, and you know, after college, I didn't get right into the leather goods business. That kind of took some time to marinate after after graduating college, um, I went down and, and I designed yachts for seven years with uh, a boat company in uh, Southeast Florida. Um, and then, you know, got the opportunity to kind of step away with that and, and pursue this thing a little bit more. Um, so where did like all the craftsman type stuff come in, like in the play? I mean, where'd you learn the craft, I guess? Yeah. Um, so the journey through the boat company, um, I, I had the opportunity to sit in rooms with um, upholsterers because because we made we made yachts, so they would sew the entire interiors and everything like that. And so there was there was like two hundred years worth of experience in that room. And so I would just go in and ask questions. Man, how do you do this? I, I was I'm at home. I'm trying to figure this out. I, I can't do it. How do you do it? And so you go in there, and and those were those were the type of people. And I, I think that's the great thing about that this industry is that um, people don't want to see their craft die and so they just want to pass any information on and so mm. really all it took was showing an interest and asking questions and and they they taught me like they taught me so much about uh, just kind of the art of sewing and manufacturing plus I was doing that on the design side too so I was taking I was blending kind of the CAD the 3D um, doing everything in the tube and then like translating that into the real world. Okay. This is how we're actually putting this stuff together on the floor on the assembly line and, and stuff like that. So, 
Did you always have a desire to be an entrepreneur? Um, and, to do your, and to do your own thing, or was it just kind of like did it happen by accident? Like what? Like yeah, where, where, do, where do you go from being like in the upholstery store yeah. hanging out with the yacht people? <laughs> yeah, to like hey, like let me uh, start my own business and let me like handcraft these goods. So, so I I think it it over time it it um it really evolved. So it, it kind of rubbed, you know, you 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 keep kind of messing with something and tinkering with something, and then it, it turns into like man, I, I kind of want to, like, I'm good enough at this now that I can turn it into, you know, making money with it. Um, and so it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh man, I'm going to start a business with this. It was, um, it kind of turned into, um, you know, I'm, I'm good enough and I'm passionate enough about what I'm doing that, um, we can now turn around, I can start to sell this stuff. And, and so it kind of turned into a business that way. How, so how long have you had the business? Uh, it's about five years old now. Okay. It's about five years old. And is it everything you thought it would be? <laughs> um, it's, it's hard. It's hard. So I'm still, I'm still a one man show. I don't have any employees. It's just me. Um, I handcraft everything. So I'm doing, you're wearing a lot of hats, you know, as a small business owner and you're the only person, if you see it, I did it. And so it's, it's social media. It's, it's being, uh, an executive and it's being a janitor all in the same like breath. And so, you know, if, if it's, it's just tough, tough doing it. Yeah. Do you, I mean, it's do a, you have like this desire to grow where you have multiple people? Oh, absolutely. Crafting? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What does the timeline like that look like for you? Um, cause I have to think, yeah. like, and the reason I'm kind of going down no, this no, path no, is because I, I see this as being one of those labor skills that are difficult to come by, right? Like we, in our scooter dealership, finding like really good mechanics, for example, right. is, right. is difficult. Yeah. I mean, we like spend a lot of time looking for great mechanics. Yeah. Um, it's like the people who like do this like labor skilled labor. skill, yeah, skilled yeah. labor work are get, are becoming harder and harder and harder to find. Right. Um, so I was just wondering, you know, like, do you, do you imagine like a room with a whole bunch of people like, handcrafting these things you know here in florida yeah um, or you absolutely know. okay yeah yeah so i i totally um picture and and the plan for this is to have um really your storefront be your manufacturing facility too so i want people um and the vision is to have people when they come in the door it's like the old ybor city yeah that's what i'm thinking of um where, where they have like the old cigar rollers it's like sitting in the window and everybody stops and like that becomes an attraction and i i don't want to i don't want to make the space become an attraction but i want it to be when you when you come in the in the store to browse you know you're seeing Fred or jo Joyce back there like making your bag um, and so I want there to be a direct connection between like man that person put this thing together um, and and so that there's not this disconnect of man it was made in some factory somewhere right. without a face mm -hmm. it's just this thing that shows up and people are marking it up five six times to sell it to me like that's not that's not the case at all and that's not the vision behind this thing um, so yeah. How much time goes into a single piece? 
Uh, depend depends on this, you know, the size of the piece. Obviously, well, how many different pieces? I mean, is this something that you know you kind yeah. of dream of something up, dream something up, and you make it, or do you have like a series of ten different products that you specialize in? Like, how like what is what does the the business look like? I guess from an outsider. Yeah. So it, it's so the product line basically is compromised of uh, comp. Uh, it's put together with, um, I have a series of backpacks, duffel bags, uh, travel kits, top kits. So it's mainly, it's like the men's wear staples, okay. right? We're not really getting into like high fashion bags. It's like the utilitarian, uh, classic long, like long lasting styles. Um, you know, the, the messenger bags, which have turned into laptop bags, um, and things like that. So, um, it and then we venture down into um you know wallets and accessory type items um that are at that lower price point so um you know you, you've got your bags which you know quality leather bags running up you know five six hundred bucks um and then you know your wallets are under a hundred bucks you know so so you kind of have this this price range that is going to you know, attract a different buyer in, in certain situations. So what's yeah. the, uh, like what's your distribution model look like? I mean, is this something that you, people are finding you and are you just selling through a website? Or are you trying to find small shops that will actually like carry your product? Like how are you, how are you selling it? Yeah. So it's, it's a blend of kind of all three. So, um, obviously starting word of mouth is huge. Um, that's how people are finding the website to purchase. Um, and then I'm actually, I'm actually having a lot of um, and it's, it's kind of this year has started it, um, where I'm having a lot of corporate stuff come in. So, Hey, I, I want you to build these for my employees, uh, mm. to pass out as gifts. Cause I can, I have the ability to, to customize, put custom logos and stuff like your business logos and things like that. Um, so it's really, um, it's online. It's, it's venturing into like uh, little retail boutique type places at the moment. Um, it's a lot of word of mouth. Um, and then, uh, and then now we're starting, I'm starting to supplement a lot of that with like the corporate type stuff. Um, and then private label manufacturing and design. Um, so I'm bringing that part, that part of the, the product development and design side into the business where, um, Hey, I'll, I'll make and design, uh, a product for you. Um, and then turn around and then manufacture it for you for your business to go sell. So that that would be considered under the private label stuff. You're the only person making them, right? I am. Okay, so it's I'm, tough. Like, I'm like, it's tough right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm like really curious, like yeah. how much you know if somebody wants you know twenty wallets for their t team members as gifts. I mean, like how long does that take? I mean, how do you you know like what's the production time? Yeah, and then ultimately where I'm going with this right. is how you scale it, right? You know, how do you grow it? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you want to get other people, but then you right. got to start training people. Like my mind is all over the place with this, right? Right. Now. right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, because so, I, I really sorry to cut you off. No, I fine. really uh, appreciate the attention to detail right. and this quality and this like lost art. Like I'm really fascinated by that, and and absolutely love that. And then there's like this business side of me who's just like, how do you grow it? How yeah. do you grow it? Yeah. You like you only have so much time, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I'm I'm 
rapidly learning that I'm limited with what I can do. Um, and so the need to bring, I, I always, and I'm wholeheartedly committed to keeping manufacturing in house because I believe that is like, that's a core part of the story and the business. Like I said, you can walk in and see, you know, Joe and Sally making this thing for you. Um, so I, I always want to keep manufacturing under, under one roof if I can. Um, and you know, a lot of businesses, when they decide to scale, they'll outsource manufacturing and they just become, they just become the conduit. Um, and I, I, I don't really believe that meshes really well with the vision that I have for the business. And I'm super passionate about getting under a sewing machine and putting stuff together. So I do enjoy that side of the business and I don't ever want to depart from like making stuff. Down the road, when I have other people like sewing the main product line, it might mean that I can focus on, uh, I can focus on more custom goods, more custom and tailored items for, for certain clients that become almost a bespoke line or something like that. So I think, I think that's a way to your scalability uh, question. I think that's how you can possibly scale it. Um, is is to be able to bring people alongside of you that can carry the main product line, um, and then if like me, if I have the the desire to still stay involved, um, it's it's you kind of split off and, and maybe do your own little bespoke line. So uh, what's your what's your first hire look like? What do they do? Um. You want somebody that runs the business side of things, so you can focus on on crafting or. What, what does that look like? What, what responsibilities do they have? Yeah, I need, I need a storyteller. So I need someone who's going to help um, capture my content, uh, whether that's video, photo, and then get this. Like, I need someone to spread the story for me, so that I don't have to distract myself. Uh, from producing items right now. That role can flip as the business kind of evolves into something else. But isn't that just like, I mean, hiring a talented videographer? I know several. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. You know, like, so I mean, that, that could so just be outsourced, yeah. right? I mean, is that necessarily like the first hire? You're, I guess I kind of blended that question into like, where am I spending my money? Mm -hmm. Which, okay. yes, I, I think outsourcing I that makes perfect sense. And in fact, I already do that to some extent. Um, so if I'm looking like inward, actually business per production, I think that that looks like another seamstress or a, a person to actually sew. Because um, that's, that's how you get more goods out the door is get them put together. Um, so yeah, it kind of looks that way. Mm. Like a, a another person has come so with me, yeah. The storytelling aspect is definitely important. I would no, say, sure. say that's a page out of the Colin Austin handbook is to, to document uh, you know everything and t get that story out there. Do you see that as a, a long-term play? I mean, it's definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even in the short term, if I was setting up my iPhone and just recording myself like right. do, doing the work, I would right. totally do that. Right. Or I'd talk about the process or, you know, I think a lot of people have this, even this fear of teaching 
you know like i mean even if you were if you, even if you were like literally set up a camera and just showed people like this is how you do this particular type of stitch and here's why you do it this way and like you know it's so niche and so interesting right. that that like the, those kind of things you know people it's like we get this all the time but like why why do you teach somebody how to change the headlight via video on their own scooter it's right. like because i mean sure it's going to help them out it provides value but i don't really anticipate a whole bunch of people being like oh i'm not bringing my scooter in to have you guys change it anymore because you guys have that video and i can just do that video and do it myself no man people people value their time they want to be right. able to pay an expert to do it right, right. and that's going to be the same thing here but like people are so interested you know i could see that kind of content yeah. doing really well it's done it's done it's just not consistently put out there and I yeah. think that's a big key that is a big that's key. a huge key and, and even when you go and you start looking at your metrics and um, you know and your all of your analytics whether that's website or social that you know when you are posting consistently you, you do see rises in numbers I mean that's just that's just natural and and that is the key and uh, a shortcoming of mine I'll be honest about it so do you have a game plan for scaling your time? Do you commit X amount of hours towards biz dev to social media to crafting or do you just kind of wake up and say this is what needs to be done this day? Um, in a perfect world, I am, yeah. But I am i don't live in a perfect world. So um, right now, right now it's looking a little um, chaotic and, and kind of what's the hottest fire at the moment. Um, and I say I use the term fire very loosely because right. it's 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 you know what orders do I need to get out and I because I don't want to make that customer wait so that I can go you know post a video um, I, I say that as just an example but um, yeah you know when orders come in that's that's kind of like priority number one and and so yeah, of course unfortunately some things hit the back burner that are still super important mm -hmm. um, but you know, at the end of the day, um, I want that person to be happy with with their order because they're telling other people about it as well. So they're like they're the repeat orders, and then the people they tell are the are the new orders. Well, that's definitely um, priority. But yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, and I've even mentioned it on this show. Like even this year, you know, like Mike said, like I'm I'm a content creator. Like I, like I'm a, you know, I I enjoy that stuff. I'm, right. I I do the social media for the companies. You know, like the but this year. The amount of times, like, I mean, I'm still doing it, but not nearly to the level that I was because my head's been down. I've been down trying to save this company. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, man, we got to get through this mess, sure. this COVID mess. I'm like looking at cash flow charts and looking at numbers more in depth and detail than I normally do because I yeah. want to make sure that I'm seeing us through this pandemic, right. you know? Um, that's, that's super easy to do. And I think it, it takes a great, um, one just one a great leader and two someone who really understands um, their business and where they're going to not just okay the pressure's on I'm going to put my head head down and just focus on what I have to do so I say it, it takes a really great person to be able to to stay uh, to stay with their eyes up looking ahead scanning the future and things like that you know like what's coming at me not just head down taking care of business, which is super important to, to still do, but. Yeah, I'm gonna be uh, super interested to kind of watch your business over the next few years. Yeah, and me kinda, too. And kind of see, kind of <laughs> see, you know, cause I, I admire somebody who's like, man, I really wanna be, 
you know, on the machine and doing the work and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that we've discovered, especially when it comes to training and things, is that you often get like a copy of a copy of a copy, right? So you train somebody how to do that wallet, they train some the next person to do the wallet, that, you know, and then right. the quality starts to like, go down and that's, right. you know, it's a challenge here. So yeah, I'm just yeah. like predicting the future, you know, how are you gonna navigate those type of challenges um, of ensuring like that, that you know, that yeah. quality, cause I know it means a lot to you. Yeah, I can tell insight, like that, yeah. for sure. that, you know, that hand detailed quality is such an yeah. important piece. Yeah. Um, so. I think that, I think that's key in not rushing to a hire just because you need to make a hire though too. Like, no, for sure. Like mm -hmm. th finding the right mechanic that that will have that attention to detail um, down the road. And, and the same thing with bringing somebody in with craftsmanship. Like, you know, if, if you skip a stitch, like you need to correct that. You can't, you, like you can't just send that wallet down the line. You know, could just, it, at the end of the day, like, are you gonna notice that skip stitch? Probably not, but like, it's still important. That kind of messes up the integrity of, of when that thing's put together. So yeah, yeah, it's sure. it's important. It's important. No, for sure. And and you don't want to get that watered down for sure. Like you were saying, like the copy of the copy, of the copy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is some is somebody that does like an apprenticeship with you. Like, how, how do you rate? Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is, yeah. is it somebody that goes to school for it? better than somebody that maybe is self-taught, better than somebody that maybe did an apprenticeship? Like, like how do you evaluate um, who who a quality craft, craftsman, craftsman would yeah, be, yeah, craftswoman? Yes, yeah, I, I think it's, well, there's, there's it's the hands-on test. So you bring them in and say like, you know, what do you have? Show me what you, you know, show me your skill level. And then you do that initial assessment and, and figure out where they're at. and. Okay, is this is this someone who who is going to carry the values of of craftsmanship that we're looking for, um, and then you go from there. But the question you mentioned about you know schooling and apprenticeship versus like self taught. Well, like I'm I'm a blend of both. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't like a, apprentice so to say, but like I I sure put a lot of hours in. You know, practicing with some supervision of someone like who had tons of experience. Um, so I, I think it's a blend. I, I don't think that like, you know, education in the terms of like paying for a class is, is all what it's always what it's cracked up to be. Sometimes you just gotta get your hands dirty and put in the time. It's like the 10,000 hour rule. Like you, to master something, you just gotta do it. Like there's no, there's no textbook on leather crafting that is gonna really teach you the ins and outs of like the character of leather, how it's gonna come together, what that thing's gonna do when you start to bend it this way or that way. And so um, nothing, nothing can replace just doing it for sure. Is there, is there a piece that you've made that you've just been like the most proud of? Um, I think, so I think the messenger bag that I currently produce that's on my site, um, that's probably the most technically complex bag to put together. Um, Can you give us like some insight into like how long that takes? What's uh, it? What's it cost? Uh, like like retail. 
retail yeah. that bag is uh, $575, $575. Okay. Um, and what people won't notice, so like if, if you go, let's let's use a big box store, for example, if you go into one of these department stores and pick up that bag, it may look the same on the outside, um, but what they're doing is cutting corners with material selection. So they're using, um, they're using a lot of vinyl, they're using a lot of like super cheap cloth and then super cheap hardware to get that price point down to where you see it in a department store. What, what drives the cost for my bag isn't necessarily um, the labor side of things, it's, it's the raw materials going in. So um, a hide of leather, you know, is, is that comes in at about $250 for a side. So that's about, uh, that's about 20 square feet of usable leather so that breaks down to about seven bucks a square foot so if you think about it that bag that bag's probably like 16 square feet of leather plus i'm buying quality um quality lining to go in it so i'm using military grade canvas uh, which has a whole host of other like really tough properties. So I'm not I'm not using cheap materials. I'm using really quality stuff. And at the end of the day, that's the difference between, you know, a quality bag beyond construction. That's the real difference between a quality bag and something you'll see, you know, pumped out of China. Um, a prime example. So I'll I'll give this example. My wife uh, purchased a um, I'll say it anyway. She purchased a Kate Spade bag. You familiar with Kate Spade, the company? They actually send literature out with their bags that's, that are like, um, be really careful with this bag because um, basically reading between the lines, because the material just isn't like that great. It won't withstand if you use it like hardcore. And I really kind of took offense to that when I read this thing. I was like, man, this is... They're like purposely putting product out there that they don't like stand behind you to go use and abuse. And so that, uh, I would say that moment in time kind of um, pushed me in a direction to like, man, let's make stuff that, that can just stand up to life. So I don't know where we were going no, somewhere. Yeah. We were that's going good. somewhere that's with all this. So but, the uh, commitment to quality is always yeah. interesting because you know, Again, trying to think of the right way to phrase this, but like you put something out there that's so good, that's indestructible. What are you doing to like repeat buyers? I mean, do you, do you see that as like, okay, well maybe they're gonna buy other goods or they're gonna have their friends and word of mouth and right. kids pass me down all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, what value is there and maybe making it not as good, but then you get people that are repeat buyers and that kind of thing. Right. right? So the, those buyers, um, I believe in the, in the philosophy, uh, only cry once. Right, so purchase this thing, cry one time, versus <laughs> um, like versus that. every every like every year you got to cry another time to buy another bag. Mm -hmm. So um, there is that sense of like mindset. But then you talk about your those those buyers who purchase a product are actually turning around and they're buying stuff for other people. So they're coming back and basically buying the same product they just bought as a gift. Mm. And so that's that's like the finger, 
you know, spreading out from like that first purchase. Um, so they do come back and, and become repeat customers, just not in the sense that you, you may think from a traditional business model, like, oh, let's have this thing wear out so that they gotta come buy another one. Mm. How much variance is there from like, say one bag to the next bag? Um, it can, variance can look different in a lot of different ways. Um, prime example is um, no two cows are the same, right? So this is, this is coming from bovine leather. Um, and just, just like people, cows, like skin's different, right? right? <laughs> so from cow to cow. So there's gonna be the difference in um, uh, like one uh, leather thickness. So that's gonna vary through different parts of the hide. Um, you're gonna have different you know, markings. And so like I use full grain leather. I don't use like a top grain or corrected grain, um, which really gets in the weeds of like leather production. So if you don't want to go there, just let me know. <laughs> but uh, in a lot of processes, they'll actually correct the grain. They'll take out they'll take out any of the flaws. Um, but what that does is that kind of like reduces the fiber structure in the leather, so it makes it a little less durable. Um, and so they'll I only use that that full grain product, which has been never been corrected. So the variance is going to come through. Uh, different markings on the leather, different stretch marks. Uh, hides are going to have fat, mark, fat stretch wrinkles, things like that in it uh, that really create a lot of character. And I try to work those in. So, are you selecting like like something in qual like a quality cow to to get leather from, or how, how are you sourcing? Um. So there, there's different. There's oh man. So apparently in, I do yeah, want to go into the weeds of it. <laughs> sure. So in, in the past five years that I've been in business, the, the options to go buy raw material leather, so finished leather, but as a side, the options to purchase that like wholesale have quadrupled. There have been so many people, so many dealers kind of entering the market that have made it really easy to go buy leather. Um, you can't really, unless I'm going to that dealer and physically handpicking out the leather, it's really hard to control what they send you. Um, but they do have like grading specs that say this is like a premium grade. This is it's a level A, like B, C. Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of control like. It's not okay, like a barter I'm, system where you're saying, hey, I'll, I'll give your team wallets, you give me stakes for the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it is, it, you are a little bit at the mercy of the relationship you build with that dealer. So, you know, I've stuck with, um, for my vegetable tan leather, I've stuck with a single dealer, you know, for almost all five years. And so um, I can kind of get, I can, I can say like, hey, I've got this project coming up. I need you to send me five really large sides. And he'll go through and he'll pick through uh, their lot and pick out pick out the right stuff for me. So um, it's, it's about having that relationship with your supply network, uh, which is super important probably on the scooter side of things oh, for too. Sure. For sure. Um, you know, when you have a good relationship with, with the people that support you, um, like business goes a lot smoother, you know, you don't have to fight 
fight to get good product in. You don't have to reject things and send it back. Uh, so they tend to they tend to take care of you if you're loyal and kind of take care of them as well. So, so. Is, it, is it like a diamond or anything where it's like you can buy this bag that's this grade of leather and this bag that's like the same product but less grade? Or is it just like you, you only commit to buying or sourcing this quality and that's what all of your products are? Like how, how do you how do you source and then like put into product like right. that way? Right. Yeah. I'm I'm only using I'm only using the the grade A stuff. I okay. won't I won't I won't buy, which basically the way that they grade it uh, happens to be like does the hide have tears or holes in it? Does it have scars or bug bites? Um, and those, so the more of that stuff you see in the hide, the the less like grade it is. But um, if I'm doing if I'm doing really small items, I, you can work around scars and bug mm-hmm. bites, but when, when you're starting to put together a bag that requires large panels, you really kind of need that clean side. So uh, I typically only buy, you know, the, the premium or select version of that stuff, yeah. I'll let you go back to business. Yeah, that's like that's like way <laughs> off. I grew, I grew up on a you. livestock farm too, so like Did I he, have like a whole different kind of interest in this, but. Yeah. <laughs> He always dives into like There's, the technicalities yeah. of like the actual craft and the art, which I mean, it's it's interesting. But let's talk about <laughs> like what your actual sure. like the biggest challenge has been in the last five years. Like from a, <laughs> I mean, no, but seriously, but from business standpoint, yeah. you know, what's, you know, you've done this. You said five years now, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, what's the, what's what's the biggest challenge so far? Oh, uh, biggest challenge has been. Um, learning how to uh well two things for me learning how to one not micromanage everything so relinquish a task to someone who's willing to help you um such as like office work or bookkeeping and stuff like that that i don't really have a passion for but it's a part of the business and you got to do it um so like having the ability to just like, okay, I trust you, go take care of it. And I don't need my thumb on top of that. And so that's that's been a big, I don't know if that's- You think that comes personal. from your attention to quality? It may be, it may be. <laughs> it's like, and, you know, when you're like that super detail-oriented yeah. person, you're like, man, like I just don't know if I can trust somebody else to do it right. the right way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that tied to probably a little type A personality and things like that. You know, it, that could create a perfect storm for sure. <laughs> I mean, has this year had impact on your business just from a COVID standpoint? And actually, I saw so I saw uptick um, in the summer months in in orders were typically like that's a dead like right after Father's Day that's like a dead time and I actually saw a, a little uptick in in orders through that time and then like starting now it's about to get crazy through. Uh, through the first of the year. So yeah. What, what do you attribute that uptick to? Um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I haven't really placed a placed something on. It may have been, gosh, it may have been something that I released. You know, I, I like made a prototype of something mm-hmm. and released it and said, "All right, I'm starting to make this," and and then had an uptick and and that type of thing. So. Um, I can't pinpoint it right now off the top of my head. Right. I'd have to really go back and kind of look at what sales I made through that through that time. Um, are you willing to tell us how big the organization has is from like a gross revenue standpoint? Like how much money will you do this year? Um, 
we're pretty i'm pretty small still i would say um under fifteen thousand. okay yeah so is this like i have a day job okay yeah yeah, yeah i mean that's super so what's the day I have job, a day job. I, I mean you don't have to tell us no, if you okay. don't want it but no. like what's the... i mean uh i i work in a family business right now so um my grandfather same baseball player grandfather he uh started a he and his brother started a pulpwood logging business so um i'm now third generation a part of it once i left the boat company i came back and rejoined that that was like to pay the bills on the mortgage and um vessel goods obviously traveled with me and and that was something that i could bring along and so that's kind of that is very much still a side hustle right now but um but that's the vision that's the passion like i i I work the day job to feed the family and and uh does it this thing i mean yeah just have this itch to go 100 percent and oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and we'll get there i mean there's plans there's 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 like strategy in motion to be able to do that soon um yeah, I had a wife who we had a baby, so she, you know she was out of work, and then I got laid off from the boat company, who downsized, and so it was like this within this one year time period, we had like so much change, mm-hmm. and and the burden of you know the family finances kind of landed on me, and so it was it was what I had to do to like step back and not pursue the goal all full time, you know? Yeah, which I think is, I, I think any any kind of man in his right mind would make that decision too like no for sure no no, for sure i think you know i think it's such an interesting an interesting part um you know because obviously like i was i mean anybody who watches the show they know like i mean i don't know anything right before the show so i'm like i'm just asking questions and like hey like you know and um you know like i kind of assumed it was your main gig but you know it's kind of i actually think it's cooler that it's not and not that it like i want it to be your main gig but i think it's from a value standpoint there's a lot of people who are in a very similar place there's a lot of people who are working a full-time job and they have this dream to do this thing and and a lot of times people aren't even sure if they're right or like cut to be an entrepreneur and they just have this heart desire to like this is their passion is what they want to do but but like at the end of the day, yeah. you got to put food on the table, right? right? And so, so, like, I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting topic in, in general. So I'm glad yeah. that like you opened up about it because yeah. I mean, it's, I was actually thinking about that a little bit before I even came in um, about like what would I want to leave like this conversation with like helping someone else in a similar situation, and I think the biggest thing for me it was like one, you know, don't don't let it like scare you away from like still pushing on that side hustle, right? Cause it, and especially, especially with a day job and uh, a family, like the time to work on that special thing becomes even more mm. limited, but special. So that, you know, when you do get to break away and, and really push and pursue that, um, it's, you know, it, it's a real joy to be a part of that. Um, not that it's not any other time, but, um, and then the second side of that was like anyone wanting to, you know, step up that kind of side hustle game is like, it's work. It's not easy. And it's going to be tough to do that, get in the trenches. But like, if you're crazy about that thing, it's, it's going to be so worth it. It's going to be worth it to do it. So what has to happen to make you 
or to, to afford you to be able to focus on it full time? Is it, is it getting investor money? Is it a certain amount of orders that come in? Like, like what does that look like? Right, it's, it's uh, right now it's order volume. Um, and I would say that I'm, I'm on like the tipping point right now. Um, so it's, it's very, very close for this to happen. Cool. So we're kind of at like this really exciting time where, um, where we can easily go there like with a family discussion. You know, so listening happen. audience, <laughs> if you're looking for some good holiday gifts. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, super close. Yeah, so close. I think so like, it, and it's gonna, yeah. and that's gonna be a big challenge in itself, right? It's gonna be like, because I have to imagine, okay, you're still like working a full like this job, right? And then, and then you have this side hustle going. It's like, I mean, every ounce of time is being poured into the side hustle, and then with the family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you only have so much time, yeah. and so it's a matter of like, all right, you got to stop doing something in yep. order to like make it make this dream a reality. I mean. It's so hard to know when's the right time to flip yeah. that switch, hmm. right? Like when, like when do you just go for it? And so I, I will give credit to my wife who is super supportive. Um, she allows me uh, to go to the studio when you know maybe it was the right time to like just hang out with her that night. But she allows me to to go kind of pump and pursue this thing, um, and then. Have you not taught her how to handcraft some goods yet? <laughs> she, she, no, she says uh, she's willing, but she is super scared because I'm like, I'm so particular. She's, she'll self admit that like, I don't want to do that because like, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I would love, I would love for her to be a part of it in that way. Um, I just don't know if that's, that's her passion or her gift mm-hmm. in life. Like, to come in and be a part of that. So if that's if that's not her gifting, then she can be the best cheerleader in the world. Yeah, yeah. No. cheerleaders are important. Yeah, man. heck yeah. Um, I mean, we have to wrap up in a minute. Yeah. So like, why don't we go ahead and like tell our audience like where where they where they can find you, where they can connect with you. I mean, yeah. you have you have a website established yep. for this thing already. Yep. Okay. Vesselgoods.com. That's where you sell everything. Easy. Yep. Yep. Um, I'll, I do sell on like the social channels too. So I've got the little store there. Um, but it, everything will link back to the website. What's the hot product for Christmas 2020? Uh, I sell a lot of wallets, a lot of belts, which I do. They're custom size belts. So there's not like you're going and picking up a 32, like you're measuring your waist and I'm cutting it for your specific measurement. Um, so that's something really tailored, uh, that I like to do for for clients when they order. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then, so belts, wallets, and then our travel mugs. Yeah, so yeah. that's one of them right there? Yeah. So yeah. like lift that up and show our audience with that, yeah. So this is, this is one of our uh, mason jar travel mugs. Um, it's hand-stitched, uh, hand-closed. So if you see the stitch that runs down here, that that's all done by hand. Um, wow. Super hard to get a machine to do that, by the way. Um, so what's something like that cost? Uh, this is 27 bucks. Okay. 27 bucks. Cool. And yeah. it comes with a lid and all that stuff to travel with. So. Nice, man. 
Well, dude, thanks so much yeah. for coming on the show. It was a lot it was of fun. Super, super interesting. I mean, I love the attention to the quality and the detail. And like, I mean, it's, it's when that business is also an art craft. You know, and it's, it's so it's so interesting to me because it's just you continuously see like this lost art of, you know, I don't know, just that uh, I don't know. It's just a lost art in a way, right? Yeah, it, it's interesting because I feel like there's there's one avenue that feels like everything's going towards industrialization, uh, yeah. machining everything. But I feel like there is some kind of renaissance going back toward the the Etsy crowd, the people that are taking taking the time to learn skills and crafts and and monetizing it or or just you know doing it for the art itself. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's that's super. Cool. Have you ever explored that as an avenue, Etsy? I have a problem with Etsy. I don't know if you want to hear it. Oh, we probably <laughs> yeah. got a little bit more time. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it real quick. So the shoppers who shop Etsy shop Etsy for deals. You know, you're not going to go to Etsy to buy a $500 bag. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're just not going to do it. Um, so I've avoided, I've avoided Etsy for that purpose is that it's not, it's not but the right But a $28 travel mug? No. But yeah, you can. You can. You think that would do? I don't know. I'm, I do I'm asking. I, I honestly don't know. See, say a $575 bag and be like, oh, but would you do it for like 400 bucks? Yeah, it's yeah. Like those type of Yeah, things. it's oh, like the, it's like the, you know, it's they. It's like no, the answer is no. Yeah, it's like the barter people go, right. go shop Etsy. So it's it's kind of like a, let's protect, let's protect the brand image a little bit and mm-hmm. not, and not go that avenue. Um, so a little bit of that has been like a strategic, you know, we're, we're going to pump the brakes and not go there. Um, and, and really focus here. So not be distracted by like a sale. Yeah. Cause I could go there and make a sale. Right. But you know, in the, in the big picture, does that play well with the rest of your how, brand message? How much do you make to order and how much do you have? Do you just like spend time and, and stock up a couple of things that are maybe move fast movers on the website? Yeah. Yeah. So about 50%. Um, I, I do like to keep at least one or two items on hand of each, of each product so that when that does come in, I can move it quickly if it's ordered. So a lot of people like to, uh, custom emboss like their initials in it. And that's a service that I offer. Um, and those I will make to order, uh, because of the, where that embossing comes in in the process, it has to be. What's the turn? What's the turnaround like? Though, I mean, if I was like, I want a custom wallet, like, how long does it take for me to get that? Um, usually, it'll ship out within two days. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's quick. So you're hustling. It's quick. Yeah, a wallet's is quick. Do you have to take time off from your job to fill all the Christmas orders? <laughs> I'm so fascinated right. by like this Christmas. No, I work uh, super long nights and a lot of a lot of energy drinks. <laughs> What's your favorite energy drink? Um. That's just for me personally. That's a side hustle question. Side hustle question. Yeah, we've been drinking. I've been drinking Bang lately. Okay. <laughs> uh, the things that come up. On What's that? It's like cotton candy unicorn or something like that. Some flavor. I don't yeah. Know. It's like a, well, cool, man. Well, thanks yeah. again for coming on. Thank you. Super interesting stuff. Uh, you know, hey, everybody, special thanks to our sponsors that make the show possible. If you miss any of our sponsors' information, you can always find it at whoagnv.com forward slash sponsors. Go there, get the links directly to the websites, etc. And of course, thank you to our amazing crew, James Leitner, Sarah Lentz, Allison Mutrino, and of course, Michael Dees. Thanks and to you, man. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> this is the WHOA GNV podcast. The pod- Hey, Sarah, so good to see you, Sarah. <laughs> the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Whoa. We will see you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>